Hello everybody, hello, hello, welcome, welcome, I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger. I'm glad you could join me. We do this every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, that's 9 Eastern for those that are mountain challenged. I'm not quite sure exactly when the stream caught up with the software, so in case it didn't come through, I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger. And I am going to start tonight, as we always do with the shipping report. After that, I'll fill you in on what's going on here at Dan's Fish. We also have an exciting giveaway to talk to you about. I think this one's extra cool. A little mysterious and extra cool. I'll tell you about that in a moment. And then we'll get to our questions and to your questions and comments. If there's something you want to know about keeping fish, uh, building fish rooms, setting up aquariums, shipping fish, anything about freshwater aquarium fish, I'm here to talk about it. So. That's what we're going to geek out about today. Let's start with the shipping report. So, I just saw from Johnny that the shipping report is up to date. For the year, and this is, we've got, we started calculating this February 1st of 2022. So we have, what, six more days, and it'll be a two, a two, a true, a two twelve? <laughs> a two twelve. <laughs> true 12 month report, but... As of now, we're at 98.98% success for the year and 99.04% for the last six months. Only a couple problems this last week. So sorry to any customers who had any problems, but uh, it's very little percentage-wise. Statistics-wise, this is looking pretty good. So we just need to nail it perfectly this next uh, couple shipments and maybe, maybe we'll get up to that 99% for the year, which is our goal. We want to be 99% success or better uh, for a 12 month running total. That's, that's our goal here. So that people are getting fish and they're living for them and everyone's happy. Now I do have some good news. There was a Melanotania maricide that we shipped out a little while ago. I think I talked about this last Wednesday that had uh, an issue, like, uh, I want, the, the customer described it as a hole in their side, kind of, it, like an indent in their side, up, up kind of by their gills, just behind the gills a little bit. And it's kind of a weird, we were concerned about it. Don't know where that came from. I, I pulled that fish myself and checked them very carefully. And there were three other people that inspected that fish before we sent them. None of us saw anything. It looked great. By the time it got to the customer, it was clear from the picture they sent that, yeah, there's something there. But the good news is that it looks like it's healed up and the fish is doing fine. So I was worried that was going to be a, a big issue. And that was a, uh, a portent of something really bad. But apparently everything's fine now. So glad to hear that. A little good news. Del Cantrell, I saw in the pre-chat that you have a couple hundred Kalitawa you're raising up. If that's true, and if you need, a, you need to unload those at some point, I would happily buy a couple hundred of those from you. Hobbyist raised Kalitawa, that's what I'm talking about. That sounds, that sounds great. Anywho's, um, that's the shipping report. Let's talk about the giveaway and then I'll tell you about what's going on in my neck of the woods. So the giveaway for tonight, as some of you know, we brought in a uh, shipment from the Democratic Republic of the Congo a few months back. One issue with that shipment is they don't label the bags. Uh, 
Another issue is sometimes there's a few contaminants in a bag. Sometimes it's not labeled and you're not sure what some of the fish in the bags are. And that's the case with today's giveaway. We have some African Tetras from the Congo. I'm sure that if, they were se if these were sold at retail that they would be quite pricey, at least some of them. But we don't know what they are for sure, so we aren't really comfortable selling them. I mean, what are we going to sell them as? Like assorted random wild Congo Tetras? Like that, that just doesn't work. So we're going to do a giveaway. I don't know what they are. Um, they could be yellowtail Congo Tetras. Some of them are um, a new type of Congo Tetra called the Green Type 2 Congo Tetra. That's all I know. So that one might be Interruptus, like your common Congo Tetra, but it looks very different. It's from a different location, and they call them the, the Green Type 2. So different looking Congo Tetra, maybe? And then there's some odds and ends that we're not quite sure exactly what they are. So it's like a mystery box of Congo Tetra species. They could be uh, Alestopetersi, is that what it is? Um, they could be um, Phenacogrammus types. They could be there's they could be different types, but they're all tetras that'll get along well in a community aquarium. None of them are tank busters or anything like that. It's just I'm not sure the exact species or location on several of them since uh, they were mixed in with other bags as contaminants. So that's what it is. Will different types of Congo Tetris school together? Yes and no, uh, like kind of. But we don't have large numbers of any of them, so it's not something where the situation's gonna... Like ideally we'd have a big group of the same species because they'll school happily, right? It's just not possible in this situation where there's onesies and twosies of different things, or a few of these and a couple of those. So um, that's what that's what the giveaway is. So it's it's a bit of the roll of the dice, but for anyone who knows about the fish coming out of the Congo, it, unless they are your your standard Congo tetra that has been in the hobby forever and been available forever. Those other types of Tetris are hard to get, and they're often quite pricey. So I think this will be a, a fun giveaway, a bit of a mystery box. So if you would like to be entered to win some random mysterious Congo Tetris, then enter hashtag Congo Tetras in the chat, and that'll automatically enter you to win. That's hashtag C-O-N-G-O-T-E-T-R-A-S. No spaces, caps don't matter. All right, so that should kick that off. I want to thank my uh, moderators for being here and doing what they do every week. Just thank you, thank you, thank you. I see you, Skippers. I see you, Punchy Paints. Um, wow, chat really started going there. So, hey, Johnny. Hey, Lumpy Dog. I hope you're doing well, Lumpy Dog. Good to see you. Johnny in Random Arms. Um, I don't know if Kaler's Aquatics and Reptiles has made it in yet, or some of the other folks, Chevy Fish. But um, anyway, thanks to my mods for doing what they do. I really appreciate you guys. I also want to thank my members. Anyone whose name is in green is a member. They, they're, they're supporting us by being a member, and that, that's a recurring little monthly fee. It's not very high, but it adds up when you get a lot of members, and they each pay a little bit. It really helps this little, uh, this little company. We're just a startup getting up and running 
and every bit helps. So I want to thank my members for, for being here and for being members, for joining up. I really appreciate you being part of the Fishmonger crew. I have some good news about our system. So as you all know, we designed, well, maybe you don't know. I won't go into it in detail, but we designed a very specialized water treatment and uh, life support system for our fish. Basically, the kind of system that we think will be the best for the fish. Uh, kind of from first principles, ground up, built this thing. Had to kind of invent it, had to figure it out. Uh, people haven't done it this way we, before. One thing we didn't realize was how difficult it would be to stabilize water that's coming into our system that is heated up because the cold water gets a lot of dissolved gas in it. You heat it up, that's released. Now the water's super saturated with gas and you can give your fish embolisms or um, gas bubble disease. We call it the bends. So for a long time, we've been trying to figure out the best way to have a long-term solution to that. And we've been doing fine, the fish are healthy. We just haven't been able to run our system um, as optimally as we would like. We've had to kind of jimmy-rig it, if you will, in order to make it, it work. Well, I'm happy to say that we've got new equipment in. It's taking care of the problem. We've been running it very carefully. You start with just like, let's start with an hour, see how it goes, okay, it's working. Let's test dissolved oxygen levels, see, how, see what's going on. Are we super saturated or are we healthy levels? And you gradually increase the time that you're running. And we're at the point now where we're running pretty well and we have not seen any bad effects on the fish. In fact, the fish seem to be perking up and enjoying it. So I think that we've solved the problem, uh, basically controlling the dissolved supersaturated gas issue. And I won't get into the technical details of that or anything right now, but it's basically new equipment that um, moderates the amount of that supersaturated gas uh, water comes into the, into the system so things run smoothly. Also, while we were doing that, there's a big pump that we use and it was just seeming a little off. We're like, this, this sounds like something's wrong. So we opened that sucker up and we found up inside of it a bunch of pieces of uh, plastic that had been sucked up inside it and were stuck in the impeller. Got that all cleaned out. Everything's got it fired back up. It's, it's purring like a kitten now. It's working half as hard and producing twice as much water. It's nice and quiet and doing really well. So we've made some improvements. We've uh, done some maintenance, uh, solved some issues, and knock on wood, I think that, I think we're good. I think we're up and running. So I'm happy to report that. It's been a long time coming, long time of, uh, of running suboptimally. And now we'll be able to run much more optimally and it's, it's great. So good news here on the uh, water system front. And that's super important. That's what keeps the fish alive, right? That's, <laughs> there's an old saying in this hobby, you don't keep fish, you keep water. The fish just happen to live in the water. And if you look at the hobby that way, sometimes it can be helpful. Instead of, I've got this fish I wanna keep, it's no, I'm gonna create an environment. I'm gonna create 
put this water in this glass box and um, keep the water nice. And there happen to be fish in there. And as long as the water is nice, the fish are likely to do well. So that's kind of how we're approaching things. And uh, yeah, happy to say it's paying off finally, finally. Also, thank you to everyone that's ordering fish. Uh, thank you to our customers. We really appreciate you. Um, we're busier than ever, and that's a good thing. We need to be busier. We need to uh, increase sales. Just the business side of things, we need to grow to make this sustainable. It's a business that scales really well, but with the unique system we've built and how we operate and everything we do, there's this tipping point uh, that we have to grow to for the business to make sense. And we're well on our way and that's because of all you folks. So thank you so much. We really, really appreciate our, our customers. All right. What else do we have to report? Oh, we have some more fish arriving next week. I'm very excited about it. I'm not going to go into the details until they're ready to sell. But we have more stuff coming in. Some of it's really exciting. So we're, we're continuing to try to bring stuff in that uh, not only stuff that people just like and want all the time, like uh, Celestial Pearl Daniels, like a perennial seller like that. We want to keep that in stock, but also interesting stuff, stuff that people have been dreaming about and haven't been able to get their hands on yet, or that people have heard of, or is brand new to the hobby, that kind of thing. So we're, there's a mix of that as well. So we're trying to have a balance of both those things. And I, I think people are going to like when we do announce the new fish that are available, I think people are going to like them. There's going to be some neat stuff there. All right, I think I've teased enough with that. Let's get to questions and comments. That might be a record. I've only rambled for 14 minutes. That's it. And we're already at questions and comments. That's pretty good for this, this, uh, this guy. I can, <laughs> I can monologue, let me tell you. All right, we're at 216 views. Thanks for being here, folks. Thanks for spending some of your Wednesday evening with us. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment to share this stream out to all your exes, um, we can get more people in here and make the discussion really lively. I'd appreciate it. Let's get some folks in here. Oh, there is one more announcement. Oh, excuse me. I was thirsty. This t-shirt is going away. If you like the guppy shirt, the dance fish guppy shirt, this is just about your last chance to get it. Um, next week, we'll have a new shirt released. So this one will go bye-bye. If you would like to see it, if you go to our channel and you scroll over to stores, where is stores? <laughs> Ain't that the way the, there it is. <laughs> and stores isn't there. There it is. Click on stores and you can see the different uh, merch that has the guppy design on it that goes away next week so if you like the guppy stuff and you want it just fair warning it's going away now i don't usually stay stuff like that i don't usually talk about limited time or create fomo or anything like that because i'm dealing with live animals and i don't think it's good when you're selling live fish to tell people hey i've got this great thing it's on sale till tuesday and after tuesday it's gonna be twice as much so you better get it now because that makes people buy things when they don't have an environment prepared for the thing, right? And with live animals, we want to be responsible and have the environment set up and stable and ready before we get the animal. 
But with merch, I can do that all day long. So this thing's going away in a few days. Get it now if you like it. There's your FOMO. <laughs> Alexander Engelhart, hello my friend. Good to hear from you. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for the amazing super chat. Speaking of shirts, one day I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a an Engelhart t-shirt without with Alexander's permission. Um, I've got a couple of ideas that I think could be fun. But anyway, we're still just trying to sell fish. Uh, we'll get to that later. So thank you, Alexander. Good to good to hear from you. All right. I think we're open to questions and comments now, so I'm gonna scroll up, and what I'm looking for, for those that might be new, when I do that, is these bright orange boxes. That's people that have put at Dance Fish, or hashtag Dance Fish, or just Dance Fish in their comment, and then it highlights for me. That's how I know you're talking to me. All this other stuff, it's like you're having a good time, you're talking among yourselves. Um, when it highlights for me, that's what I look for. So the next one I can see is Spinster Sister. I loved your video on the Congo Puffers. Can you sex them if we request a trio? No, we can't. We can guess. We can send you one that's larger and fatter. And uh, those might be females. And we can send you some that are smaller and more slender. And those might be males. But there's no way we're going to guarantee sex on that fish. It's, it's just, it would be too disappointing if we guaranteed a trio and then got it wrong. So we can't guarantee that. We can tell you we'll try our best, but literally what we're doing, if you say, I'd like a trio, one male, two females, we'll say we'll do our best. And what we'll do is we'll pick one smaller one and two of the bigger, kind of fatter, rounder ones and be like, that's maybe one male and two females. But that's as, that's as precise as we're going to get with that. But I do have to tell you, they're in great health. They have fun personalities. Uh, they're, I'm just proud to sell puffers that are fat and healthy. It just makes me feel good. Paul Soltero, as long as your mystery box is better than the one that was auctioned off at the Triple Crown, I'm in. <laughs> was there a mystery box at the Triple Crown? I missed all that. What was it? Socks? Did you get socks? Were they pink and puffy? Rocketfish, can we possibly see the African Tetris giveaway tank? They're not all in one tank. We've got, there, there are some in one tank, but we've got odds and ends of them kind of scattered around. And no, they're not on this row. So there's no way, because I'm tied to my PC. Regina Phalanges. Let's see here. Oh, she's talking to Johnny. Okay, moving on. Daniel McNama. Sorry, McNama. <laughs> McNamara, that's better. What do you do when you have a fish with lockjaw? Ooh, I realize the prognosis is not too good. I don't know, Daniel. I've only had that happen, is it once? I don't know, very, very uncommonly. And it was a rainbow fish, and it did not recover. And I'm not sure how it got it. I. I I think it might have run into something and like had an impact injury or something. I don't know. I wish I could help you on something like that, but I really don't know. Alician, yes. Do any look like Alesto Peter C.S. Similakii? Is that the blue diamond? 
Uh, no, I don't think we have any blue diamonds. Let's see here. I gotta, I gotta go on a little field trip here. I'll take you guys along to make sure I have this right. I think that's the blue diamond. Yeah, that's the blue diamond, uh, African Tetra. And we have had that one in the past. And I do hope to have some in really soon. But, oh, they are pretty, aren't they? Yeah, I like that fish a lot. I like every fish a lot. I say that all the time. But, nope, none of them are those. I don't think we got any of those in on the uh, Congo shipment. Whoa, chat just did a weird thing. Okay, there we go. Full metal. What is What are your water parameters at your place? So currently our parameters are hard and alkaline. Very hard and alkaline. Yep. Uh, in the previous location, our water was very soft. Like hard to measure the hardness. So done both and the fish honestly are doing well in both. I would discourage people from worrying about parameters too much if you're talking about hardness and pH and all that. I would discourage folks from trying to make the parameters perfect. I would say make them steady and stable. And that's the most important. We have fish breed all the time that should not be breeding in hard alkaline water. And they do, and the eggs are fine, and they don't have a problem. We, uh, we also had fish doing great in breeding that should be in hard water in our soft water. That's a little harder. It's easier to keep soft water fish in hard water than vice versa. But uh, yeah, hard and alkaline is what we got. But for anyone listening, some people know their parameters really well. They have the lab. They know how to alter things in a stable way. That's fine if you want to do that. But for, for your average Joe, average Joe Aquarist, I would say don't, don't chase parameters. Robert Whitaker asking a parameter question. My water, my tap water is KH, KH is one DKH. Okay, do you have any general recommendations? Um, so that's about where mine was. Uh, no, mine was a little harder. It was a one degree German hardness calcium carbonate. So we're talking about, it was one to two. So you're talking about 12 to 20 parts per million. So very soft. I would say it just depends on the fish you want. If there are a lot of fish that really like soft water, so that's probably not, a, not an issue. If you want to keep African cichlids, then maybe add in some crushed coral or oregonite or something like that. But I'm really not a guy that messes with the water. What I tend to do is find fish that do well in my water as opposed to change my water to be fine for the fish. And the reason is when you change your water to be fine for the fish, you end up with instability. That water has artificially been changed to be fine for the fish, and it's gonna want to shift back to its natural state. And if you don't have things stabilized perfectly when you alter water chemistry, um, it's gonna swing back on you. So a classic case, I know you're, you're having the soft water issue, uh, but here's a classic case. Classic case is I've got hard alkaline water, I read in a magazine or on the internet or something that the fish I'm getting needs soft acidic water. So what do you do? You go buy some acid, pH down or something like that. You put it in your water, you measure the pH, it's now down a lot. 
yes, you fixed the problem, right? You come back a few hours later, you measure the pH again, it's right back where it was because all that acid got neutralized by all the buffering capacity in the water and it swung back up. So you get these swings, these parameter swings where I'm gonna, my water's naturally here, here. I'm gonna move it here because that's what the fish want. Great, I moved it there. Unbeknownst to us, it's gonna go back here. Man, what's going on? I thought I changed it. I'm gonna change it again. That's what the fish wants, right? Change it back. A little while later, it's back down. You get this yo-yo going on, this instability that that stresses the fish out much more than if it was just here all the time, even though that's not what the magazines and the internet say is ideal for that fish. And uh, you just leave it there and the fish will become accustomed to it. So, so that's my thoughts on that. And Robert, I, my recommendations, if you have nice soft water like that, is get species that like nice soft water. There's a lot of people that would love to have that water, that dream of breeding certain like uh, black water fish. Uh, and, uh, and you've got the water they're trying really hard to make. So I'd say love your water. Whatever your water is, love your water. Now there's some edge cases, of course, where you've got ammonia naturally in your water. That ain't no good. Or really high phosphates or really high iron or something like that. And I get that there's edge cases, but in general, just keep it stable is I think best. Okay, I'm scrolling because chat jumpity jumped Okay, where are we? There we go. Orange cones, you said you can monologue with the best. Just a hint. If you ever get stopped by a cop, remember, you have the right to remain silent. <laughs> Noted. I will call you first thing, Orange Cones. I'll be like, just a second, officer. I have to call my lawyer. <laughs> Linda J. Speaking of a bucket list fish, what is a tetra you recommend to go safely with Manakapuru angels? Most tetras that are deep-bodied, I think, would be great for that. Um, I think African moon tetras would probably be really good. Here's one that we have at our store um, that I think would be great. I just have to re here they are. So these African moon tetras have a nice deep body. They're big enough that the angelfish is not going to be able to eat them. The problem with angelfish and tetras is some tetras are pretty slender, like a rummy nose tetra, right? That's kind of a long, slender fish. A full-grown angel can slurp down a full-grown rummy nose. So you want deep-bodied tetras. So that's just one example. Um, just, just for funsies, let's take a quick peek here. I think these would probably be good, the giant spotted emperor tetras. They're big enough that they're not going to get swallowed. Um, diamond tetras have a good body shape for angelfish. Colombian red-blue tetras have a good body shape, that kind of deep body. Um, I think these would be good, the black line tetras, deeper bodied fish. Anyway, you get the point, right? Versus something like this, which is a very long, slim kerosene. You wouldn't want to mix that in. 
or versus, uh, yeah, definitely not that, long and slim, right? That's just a snack waiting to happen. Um, rummy nose, long and slim. So that's what I'd say, just get a deep bodied one. And I, I would also, if it's, a, if it's a Tetra you've never kept before, I would have a plan B because it's not likely to happen, but there are some Tetras that can be nippy. So if you notice they're nipping at your angelfish's fins, you're going to want to be able to move them somewhere else. Doesn't usually happen unless, veil tail angels maybe, because those long flowing fins with those kind of rough edges and that thin tissue, that just might be irresistible to lots of fish. But Manakapuru angels, that's a wild type angel, nice straight fins, uh, shouldn't be a problem. Bridge. I have a 45 gallon tall, I'm trying to stock, don't know what to put in it though, was considering rope fish, that, about, that might be too cramped. Uh, the tank is about 34, yeah, full grown rope fish I think in, in a smallish tank is probably not the move. I don't know, what else you got, what, a, what are 10 fish that are about, the, or 5 fish, whatever you can, you know, a few fish that you think could go well in there that you like, if you give me some names or some ideas, I could, I could help you out. Carmos Creations, I jumped on those trout gudeids like hotcakes. Thank you so much for the email notification, for them being back in stock. The established group I currently have are doing great. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. And man, I'm hoping that some of the people that we sent those to can breed them so we can keep them in stock. That's, that's a fish I currently have one breeder that produces a good number once a year. Gudeids can be like that. So the more people we get breeding them, the more likely we could actually, you know, keep them in stock and keep um, distributing them because that's a fish that deserves to be kept in the hobby. Um, that's one that, that I think we want to keep year-round, availability year-round. MacPNW is a Thoracochromis brashi, a fish you've come across. I recently, I recently, I can't talk, I'm usually tired. I'm, I'm about double tired today. <laughs> I recently saw some on display at Shedd Aquarium in Chicago. Let's see here. I haven't been to the Shed yet, and that's a shame because a good friend of mine used to curate the Rivers uh, exhibit there. So I, I could have had a backstage tour and all that stuff, but I never got there while he was working there. Oh, that's a pretty fish, isn't that? Ooh, that's good looking. What what is this? This looks like a Westie. Where's it from? Cichlid Forum. Oh, from the Congo. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen that fish. But that's one that if I saw it available and I thought it came from somewhere that could get them to me alive and in decent shape, yeah, that's one I'd bring in without without even thinking about it. If you find some <laughs> Yeah, I, I that's a good looking fish. Just a hobby aquatics, is it though? Starts as a hobby. Pretty soon you're gonna have to change your username to just a lifestyle. <laughs> Good evening. I'm a huge fan of pseudomugil rainbows. I see that you have sold several species, hoping you get more in stock soon. Yeah, I really like pseudomugils. The blue eyes are some of my favorite fish of all time. And when I can, I bring them in. Um, I'd love to get in some more reticulatus. That was a one-time thing, 
the breeder has not had any more available since. If they do get more, I'll definitely get them all. Pseudomugo reticulatus, awesome fish. And uh, Mellis, I'm still on the hunt for some Mellis. Alexander's Aquariums, what do you recommend I should get two 80-gallon aquariums? What do you recommend? Should I get, that's, that makes more sense in my head. Should I get two 80-gallon aquariums with lights and a canister filter for 200 bucks? Yes. That's a steal. Are you kidding? That's a great price. 200 bucks for two 80 gallons? And they come with lights and a canister filter? Like, I mean, I don't know the situation. Are they like actual aquariums that hold water? Or are they beat up old, like, you know, red-eared slider turtle tanks that are all scratched and the silicone's gone? You know, I, I don't know what shape they're in, but... Yeah, that sounds like something to look at for sure. If they were halfway decent shape, I would get them. Heck, for 80 bucks each, I would reseal them. Underwater, think any Epistogramma fry would survive breeding in a 75 community with geophagus and a bunch of larger tetras. The bunch of larger tetras makes it a bit difficult. Possibly. If the, if the tank is like choked with plants and lots of caves and lots of rock work and all these little nooks and crannies and little spaces where the pair of epistos can herd their fry and then they have the advantage, like the 300 in Sparta against the Phoenicians, right? The Phoenicians, it wasn't the Phoenicians. <laughs> against Xerxes. Um, was it Xerxes? Jeez. Wow, I'm tired. Anyway against those people, you know, because they, they had the geographic advantage, then maybe, maybe if there's little spaces like that. But, oh man, who was it? Xerxes was not Phoenician. Oh. The uh, theater professor in me is crying inside right now. That is, that is something I should know, but I can't remember. That's really weird. I'm sure someone will correct me. Anywho, um, maybe, but large schools of Tetras are very good at like coming in en masse all together and just decimating clouds of fry. So I think that could be a little challenging if you, if you have a bunch of larger Tetras. Tea milk. How many butterfly fish in a 75 heavily planted West African biotope? Oh, you could easily do a dozen. Heavily planted. So I'm imagining when you say heavily planted that you also have a lot of surface plants. And by butterfly fish, I think you're talking about the African butterfly fish that floats at the top like a little mini arowana with uh, long filaments on the fins. If we're talking about that fish, then a dozen would not be a problem if there's lots of plants up top. Um, I had a tank of them, Half the it was a 75 gallon, half of the top of the tank was covered with water sprite, big water sprite growing in there, and they loved it. And we easily had a couple dozen or more in there. They're, they're great fish. Keep a lid on because they jump, they fly. <laughs> they don't just jump, they fly. But they'll eat floating foods, prepared foods, dry foods without any problem. Once the food sinks, and then they're not going to see it. So make sure you feed them stuff that floats long term. This is where freeze-dried foods come in real handy because those tend to float for quite a while. They love fruit flies. They love crickets. Fruit flies and crickets and things are a great food to get them going when they first arrive and they're new and timid and 
all that, but they'll, they'll quickly learn to eat flakes and floating pellets and freeze dry. Those are wonderful fish. I love them. Spinster, sister, those puffers looked and acted great. Puffer puppies, yes, they are puppies indeed. How large a tank would I need for a trio? So I've never kept just a trio. I have six in a 40-gallon breeder right now that are perfectly happy. And I think I could probably keep them in there long term. But I do a lot of water changes, so the water's clean, but they're, they're fine in the 40-gallon. But where it gets tricky is my understanding is that males can be a little aggressive. I don't think they're super aggressive, but I would worry about a trio in a 40-gallon. What if there were two males and they decided to tee off or something like that? So I just don't have any experience keeping that small of a number uh, together, so I'm not really sure. But they can do well in a 40-gallon for quite a while, I think. Now, if they get much bigger than they are currently, they don't get that big, though. I mean, it could be possible they need a little more room. You might end up needing a 55 or 75, but I think, I think a 40 breeder would probably be okay from what I've seen. Del Cantrell, where do you buy your bulk shipping supplies? Looking for recommendations as our fish pro progress towards shipping size in the future. All right, so Del, um, I'll give you a link here. I get my stuff at TSK Supply. I love these people. They've been very good to work with. TSKSupply.com. Um, let me share. Worked with these guys for years. That stuff isn't cheap. But they do a good job and they get it out quickly. Mitchell Broom, I'm assuming the Ensorgi are, are wild caught. Yes, they came in uh, from the Congo. I'm excited about the group coming next week. I have lots of Anabantoidae, but not a Tenopoma yet. Best group of Ensorgi I have ever seen. I think you're going to love them. I, I try not to oversell stuff, right? I, I try to underpromise and overdeliver. So knowing that, when I tell you this is the best group I've ever seen, I... I Think you're gonna love them. I think they're gonna knock your socks off. Dominic Norquist, how did you get started with selling fish? Was it Aquabid? No way, man. Way before Aquabid. Let me take you on a journey back to a time called the mid 90s. <laughs> so when I was a kid, uh, I used to breed fish and I would sell them and exchange them in two ways because there weren't no internet yet. <laughs> Way number one was um, I would sell them through clubs, like the American Killifish Association puts out a monthly business newsletter, and if I had fish available, I did a lot of killifish. I would send to the newsletter what they were and how much they were and all my info, and they would print them up in the newsletter, and that would be mailed out once a month. So that's how I sold fish. I sold them at local club meetings as well. And I sold them on something called, what was it, the North American Fish Breeders Guild, I think is what it was called. And it was a newsletter that would go out where you would say, here's what I have. 
And people would sit and be, look at it and be like, oh, I want some of those. And they could buy them. Or more often than not, in the, in the guild, we would just exchange. They'd be like, hey, I see you have some of those. I've got some of these. You want to trade? And we did a lot of, a lot of horse trading, but with fish. So that was fun. Then as, so I started selling those places. As I got more production, I'd sell to fish stores and things. And then eventually, yes, eventually when the internet became a thing and uh, Aquabid became a thing, then yeah, I used to sell an Aquabid for sure. In fact, I, I still like Aquabid for nostalgic reasons, for sentimental reasons, but the issue came, it was fine when I was small, but Aquabid doesn't make it easy to post fish and it doesn't make it easy to have pictures of fish or video of fish. There's, uh, the technology's come a long way since Aquabid was first uh, birthed into the world and the, the code base and the, the way Aquabid is put together doesn't talk really well to the modern world. So it became very difficult to list multiple fish there and it became difficult to do it in a repeatable way. So... I started looking for better ways to do it. I did a Shopify store for a while. The good thing about Aquabid was there were lots of people posting there. So you could be a little guy and have a few fish for sale, but there were enough fish posted on Aquabid in aggregate that lots of people would go there and browse. So you could, a lot of people would see your fish even if you were a small player. When I went out and, and built my Shopify store, that was great because I could customize it, I could do bulk uploads of inventory, I could do all these things, but I was still a fairly small player. And it was hard to have enough stock, and I wasn't big enough to have enough things that were of interest to enough people to have a real thriving store, a thriving business at Shopify. i get a few people and that was great, but I didn't have enough items that enough people wanted for them to come regularly. So that didn't work so well. So we, what we ended up doing is just from first principles saying, what would the ultimate fish selling website be? Uh, I need to have other people around me to sell fish with me so we can get enough eyeballs on all of us and generate enough interest together, syner synergize. Let's get corporate here. We were gonna synergize. Um, and, uh, and, and draw enough customers, even though we weren't big, but still have a place that was easy to list fish and you could uh, relist fish easily and, and make changes to your inventory easily and all those things. So um, we dreamed up what we thought that ultimate website would be and we built getgills.com. So the reason we did that is we wanted a place to sell fish where we could sell with other people. Kind of, this was for hobbyists and it would allow us to attract a lot of customers even though we were fairly small. So we did that, that worked like gangbusters and pretty soon we outgrew that. We still sell on Get Gills, but the, the limitation of being on a community um, sourced website like that, a crowdsourced inventory website like Get Gills or uh, Aquabid or eBay or whatever, is you can't tell your story very well. You can list your stuff up there and other people can list their stuff up there and you can draw a lot of eyeballs, but you can't really tell your story well because you're, you're stuck on the limitations of that platform. So 
we grew to the point where it became vital that we tell our story, who we are, what we're doing, how we're doing it, why we're doing it this way, all those things that make our business distinct. And so at that point, we launched dancefish.com. We were big enough at that point that having a standalone website, we would still generate enough business to justify the website and we could tell our story really well there. So we still sell on um, GetGills, we still sell on Aquabit, and we sell at dancefish.com as well. Um, and recently eBay. Um, every time you add a platform, you increase the number of people that are aware of you, right? There's people that shop on eBay that have never heard of Dancefish because they don't shop the places that we we're selling or they don't go on YouTube and view fish videos or you know so we're there so that other people can find out about us the problem is every time you add a platform you also uh, increase your liability of screwing up because you have to manage your inventory across multiple platforms so luckily for us we have random arms and random arms is uh, a savvy computer coder who builds uh, processes for us where we can still have centralized control of our inventory and our all our shipping and everything we have to do on the back end of our business and we can do that centrally and still sell on multiple platforms so those are that's kind of the journey so far and uh, yeah, that's where we find ourselves today but I didn't start selling. It was kind of like trading for fun, and then I'd sell enough to buy fish food and locally, and then eventually it just grew. It, it's the hobby that just grew. Oh, man, I missed some Super Chats. I'm sorry, folks. Thick Fish, great name. The last video was the best so far. I've had my eye on the strawberry leperinus for a while now. I might go ahead and place the order. Well, I'm glad you liked the video. And the strawberry leperinus are amazing. I think they're fantastic. I was thinking about it. So I was, I'm, I'm tr on new fish that come from clads of fish that tend to get big, I'm always trying to find, and I, and I get a, a dwarf species, I'm always trying to figure out how big does this actually get. Like people say it only gets this big or it only gets that big or whatever. So it takes a while for a fish to be in a hobby and enough people to keep it long enough before you actually know how big it gets. But on these, they appear to come from a species group where the largest species in that group is about seven inches. Some leperinus get huge. These, that, that species group about seven inches and a lot of them are smaller than that. I've seen what we get and we've kept some strawberry leperinus for over six months. So that's not years, but that's a good time to see their growth. And I've seen some other people that have had them. And the largest I've ever seen is, I think, under four inches. So I don't think this fish gets over three to four inches or thereabouts. But um, if that's true, then that makes these extra special because not only are they pretty, but they don't get big. That's the problem with most leperinus is they're tank busters. Well, that and they're ornery. But so I think this is a really special fish indeed. 
But even if it did get as big as the biggest Leporinus in that species group at seven inches, that's still pretty small for Leporinus. That's manageable for most people. So I think they're an awesome fish. They've been hardy for us. They've, they've been amazing for us. Um, go ahead and place the order, you say. I would say do it if you have an environment set up for them. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. If, if the vacillation is... I want to get these fish, but I'm not sure I'll like them. I think you'll like them. They're, they're an amazing fish. But if the vacillation is, I want to get them, but I don't have the right environment set up and stabilized for them yet, then, then definitely don't get them. Wait until you have that environment set up and stabilized. That's just best for the fish. But uh, I'm glad you liked it. Zenadu do. Hey, good to hear from you. I hope you're doing well. Just because you're all so awesome, thanks again for another fabulous order this week. Hey, thanks for being a good customer and supporter in general of what we're doing. We really appreciate you. And thanks for the pizza. We were able to get pizza during the shit, the, the, the shift, the fish shipping Olympics uh, in, in part because of your, your super chat. So thanks, Anna Dudu. Okay. Metal fish. No, it's like metal fish. My first purchase from Dan's Fish last night was the Spotted Congo Puffer on the way next week for my wife's 40th birthday. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I think I don't see how anyone could not love them. They're just they're just cute as puppies. So cheers. Thank you. And uh, I think you're going to really enjoy that species. Mikey M says, did you get any Achilles from the Democratic Republic of the Congo? I visited our, I visited our local Killy Club meeting six hours ago, came home with a reverse trio of Cranichthys. Is that right? Bailey-Eye, bailey Oh, yes, I know that fish. I, I have a funny story about that fish. So once upon a time, I was fish sitting. I was a kid, okay? In my defense, I was a kid. I was fish sitting for an aquarist who had some uh, fish of that ilk, highly endangered, hard to get, kind of grandfathered in, can't get them again because of legal issues, right? And uh, I knew that they were a native fish of the United States, and I was just new into fish, didn't know what I was doing. I thought they looked kind of lonely. So I went down to the local pond and I caught some native fish there and I put them in the tank so they would have some friends. Just little, little things, right? So that those uh, fish of that ilk could have some friends. <laughs> a couple months later, I get a call from this fish keeper for whom I was fish watching, fish sitting, and they said, why did you put bass in with my um, fish of that ilk? And I was like, oh, what? He's like, I was watching my fish of that ilk the other day, or earlier today is what it was. And suddenly, he, so half the tank was choked with java moss, right? And I'm watching them, because I'm like, why aren't there as many as before? So I'm watching them trying to figure out, are they sick? What's going on? And as I'm watching them, suddenly out of the java moss darts this bass, 
grabs one of them and, and darts back into the Java moss. Where did that bass come from? And I was like, well, I don't know. I just put some little fish friends in there for them to play with. <laughs> well, those little fish friends, apparently, at least one of them was a bass and had grown and was now eating the fish of that ilk. So I, I know and love that fish. Um, I'm glad you've got them. I don't think we can keep them here, but I'm glad you've got some. Please keep them going. If you can breed and raise those and distribute those, um, Ash Spring has had a a lot of issues, and I think that you know they're trying to conserve it and all that. But there's all kinds of issues with Ash Spring, and so that habitat is constantly at risk. So it'd be awesome if our friends in Europe can keep that species going as kind of a Noah's Ark type situation in case Ash Spring needs help later. Del Cantrell, and what are your preferred materials such as bag thickness and bottom shapes, etc.? So I've got, Del, I've got a bunch of videos on, on that, on what we do with bags, um, how we ship the fish, how we prepare the bags and all that. So check those out, they're on the, they're on the channel. And once you're done checking those out, if there's anything that we didn't cover that you want to know or that was confusing or whatever, um, then send us an email with some specific questions and we'll, we'll get those to you. But that's all covered there. But in brief, I, I use a heat sealer. So I use four mil bags, nice thick bags. Those are hard if you're using rubber bands because it's really hard to tighten them up enough the air doesn't leak out but if you're using the heat sealer like I do four mil is great and we crimp the ends um, so that they sit like a sandwich bag when they're full of water with a flat bottom that way you don't have corners that when you put the bag down are likely to bend up and they can catch a fish's head or whatever and squish them or trap them so that's how we like to do it Tracy S I have a baby clown killy that arrived deformed, not from Dan's. Thanks for clarifying, because whenever I hear that, I'm always like, oh shoot, did we screw up? <laughs> he is eating and getting around the tank pretty good. I'm torn between waiting to see if he continues to grow or make a decision. So I have kept and loved many deformed fish. I call them gimpy fish over the years. And my rule of thumb was always this. If it seemed like the fish was not suffering, it wasn't in pain, it wasn't somehow hating life, then I would keep it. And if it seemed like, no, this fish is actually suffering, then, then I would euthanize it. It just seemed the humane thing to do. So I've had fish that I've kept that had really bent spines or deformed fins or whatever, and kept them for years, and they were really fun. You know, it's, with all these normal fish, occasionally a tank of gimpy fish is just fun. In fact, maybe we'll do a gimpy fish giveaway soon. I, I do collect those, and I have a sizable number. So maybe I could, could do that, find some gimpy love and homes for them. So that's how I would judge it. That's, that's my personal take on it, Tracy S. And it's not an easy decision, and I'm sorry you have to make it. But whatever you decide, I, I hope you feel good about it. Leo209 Aquatics, thanks for being a member. Really appreciate it. Care and Breeding Guide for Black Corridors. Um, I've never propagated that fish. I'm sure they've spawned for me, but I've never pulled the eggs and raised them and stuff. But much like an Aeneas, I, I don't think they're much harder than a Corridor's Aeneas. So 
That's what I would say. Trigger like a standard quarry. Feed a ton of food, lots of food, and then when you get a drop in barometric pressure, do a big water change, and that's what I would do. In fact, I made a little short video today. Our, our corridors were spawning, not the black Venezuelans, but another species. And uh, I made a little, a little video joking about um, they're our barometer. They're our barometric pressure gauge. All we have to do is look at the quarries, and we know if the pressure is dropping. <laughs> Kelly Foreman. Hey, Kelly. Good to hear from you. Valens died. Oh, cannot talk. So tired, guys. <laughs> Valentine, I, I cannot say that word. V-Day is coming up. <laughs> no, that's something else. Valentine's Day is coming up. Remember, fellas, nothing says love quite like rainbow fish. Oh, ain't that the truth? Or puffers. I think that's, I think that's a good one, too. Maybe we'll get a bunch of heart-shaped parrotfish just for Valentine's Day. I'm kidding, folks. I'm kidding. <clears throat> oh, sorry. I got something stuck in my throat. Uh, I don't know if I got it or not. Alex Watson. I have some bowling going on between five guppies and an eight-gallon tank. Do I separate the guy that's being bullied or separate the bullies? Normally, I'd say get more guppies, but it's an eight-gallon tank. That I don't know how you maintain it, but that might be your limit. So let's assume that you're not going to get more guppies. Is it a breeding thing? Do you have like a female and all the males are, you know, harassing her to no end? In that case, I definitely separate them. Or is it you have, do I separate the guy that's being bullied or separate the bullies? So it sounds like you have more than one per person, more than one fish doing the bullying and only one fish suffering from the bullying. So. I would move the one fish, I think, and see if the others calm down and are fine among themselves. If you do move that one fish, you might find that someone else becomes the one that gets bullied, right? So it's, it's this hierarchy thing where if you remove the fish that's getting bullied, someone else becomes the fish that's getting bullied. There's always someone that's the lowest on the, on the social hierarchy, right? But the same thing happens at the top. If you remove the top fish that's doing the bullying, someone else rises in hierarchy and will then start bullying the other fish. So generally what I like to do is just add more fish. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ah, man. <clears throat> I didn't even eat like any hot peppers for dinner or anything. I was a good boy. Okay, so um, normally I think the way to handle that is add more fish because then any aggression is spread out more and no one becomes the brunt of it. So I don't know, Alex, that's, that's a bit of a tricky situation. But if it's a breeding thing and the fish that's getting bullied is a female and that's why she's getting bullied, then I would definitely separate them. Night Owl Aquatics, what do you think is the best way to deal with BGA cyanobacteria in my leopard frog tank? Yeah. I hate blue-green algae. I just hate it. Um, the way I treat it is I just turn off the, the light for a couple weeks. That tends to kill it. 
that's me. I know that you can use certain antibiotics and things, but I always try to avoid chemicals when possible. I, I, antibiotics can be hard on a nicely balanced ecological system like an aquarium. You put some antibiotics in there, the whole thing's out of whack instantly. Just a whole class of organisms are wiped out and the balance is just gone. So personally, I would just turn off the light. And what, what I found, oh, something else you might be able to do. So long-term tanks can kind of balance out of cyanobacteria infestations. Something that I found helps is water sprite. It's a floating plant. It grows super fast and it sucks up nutrients. So being floating, it'll kind of shade and hopefully that'll help prevent the blue-green algae that's usually on the bottom and stuff from getting enough sunlight to really propagate quickly. And water sprite can outcompete a lot of plants and algae. It's so fast growing that if you start with a, especially if you start with a good big water sprite plant or several water sprite plants, um, I would keep the blue-green algae under control by manually removing it so it doesn't completely choke their roots. And if you can do that and give the water sprite enough of a head start, it'll eventually take off and balance that tank out. In my experience, that's a good way to do it. Paul Soltero, the, the Triple Crown Mystery Box had, among other things, a couple bags of Swedish fish, oh, and a red tail catfish hybrid? Are you serious? I missed that completely when I was there. Giving away a, a red tail catfish, really? Let's give away like a what is that, 150 pounds full grown? <laughs> I'll take the Swedish fish though, those are delicious. Leo 209 Aquatics can't wait to order my spawned cargo puffer from you in a week or two. I can't wait for you to get them. I can't wait to see your reaction. I think you're gonna love them. There's nothing not to love with that fish. And Johnny, am I correct in saying that we have had no problems with this batch? As far as, I think every fish that we've sent that a customer has received, they've been delighted by. I can't think of a problem puffer from this batch. Um, when we first started selling Congo spotted puffers, and we had the smaller ones, we would occasionally have a problem. Very occasionally. Not often at all, but occasionally there would be a problem. But I think this batch of adults, I don't think there's been a problem. I mean, we had a problem. There were some that came in not good shape, and we had to nurse them back to health. But... As far as any we've sent to customers, I think the feedback has been like pure delight. Johnny, correct me if I'm wrong on that. I'm curious. Kids, Aquatics and Reptiles, Flexin. This is why he's the Codfather, because he's got the muscles. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Appreciate the support very much, and I hope you're doing really well. And, uh, where's the beach? <laughs> that used to be impressive when I did that. Not anymore. Okay, I'm scrolling because chat has jumped. Well, let me stay at the bottom real quick and see what Johnny says about... Johnny says, yes, this batch has by far been by far the best. Yeah, great batch of Congo Spotted Puffers. And we've had a, we've had a blast with them. We're, <laughs> we should probably be in a little bit more of a hurry to sell our fish because that's what keeps the business afloat. But honestly, we, en we enjoy them. 
It's like I'm having fun with the Leperinus. I'm having fun with the Congo Spotted Puffers. So we'll play with them until you have your tank set up. Don't worry. Dominique Norquist, thanks for sharing. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for uh, being part of the evening and making this lively. We have 323 folks here. That is nothing to sneeze at. We're not a big channel. We're just this little engine that could. So having 326 now, it didn't even go down when I mentioned it. Usually, I mention the number and it drops like a rock. It went up. Maybe we'll mention it again to see if it happens again. 326. Nope. Holding steady. Oh, there it goes. 322. <laughs> That's what I expected. Anyway, thanks for being here, folks. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment to share this out, let other folks know what's going on. Um, we could grow this little little channel and have a lively discussion, so I would appreciate that. U.S. Scaper. <laughs> My Rio Paraguay ancestress just pushed out their first clutch. That's great. Should I transfer the eggs to my slightly harder tap water now or wait till they hatch out before I transfer? Eggs are three days old. I think it's six, one half dozen the other. Um, anyone here that breeds a lot of ancestor species want to chime in, but I mean, ancestors for us spawn and we don't do a darn thing and they just hatch just fine, even if they're kicked out. As long as they're in clean water and no fungus and stuff, but if, if they're kicked out and you're worried that they're going to fungus, then sure, move them for peace of mind. Why not? I should tell you, U.S. Scraper, I'm not like a big Pleco breeder. I, I bred some bushy nose and ancestress and stuff, but um, this is coming from a guy who, who doesn't have the most experience with, with fish breeding. With, I'm sorry, with breeding ancestress species. So take what I say with a grain of salt. Sharky, why am I the only one that loves zebra loaches? They don't get enough love. Come on, folks, give the zebra loaches the love. I love them too, Sharky, and I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove my love. Okay, here's how I'm going to prove my love to you. Here you go. Four years ago. I made a video about how great zebra loaches are and how I think that they're a better option for most people than, um, than clown loaches. So I feel the love too. I'm with you. I like them a lot. The reason I like them is you get all the fun of a clown loach, the funky behavior, the clowning around, the like laying on their side in odd positions, <laughs> all that. But in a fish that only gets about that big, maybe less even, and still has neat striping pattern and colored on it, right? It's not the same color as a clown loach by any means, but it's got a nice pleasing pattern on it. They're, they're fun to look at. So you get all the benefits, I think, of a clown loach, but in a manageable size package. And they're not a super aggressive fish or anything like that. Like, you know, some loaches can be too aggressive. And they're not going to fade to brown as they grow. So I like I like them too, Sharky. I'm with you. Comets Aquariums. Do you know if you will be able to get some... What is that? Octazona? Oh! Okay, I'm going to try to say this. Serpenticobitis Octazona serpent loaches back in stock. I think I've only been able to find those twice... 
This is the fish we're talking about, folks. It's pretty cool. I found this fish twice. I would love to get more in. And if I see them again, I certainly will get more in. But uh, they're hard to find. Actually, they might be more common, but the suppliers don't name the stuff really well. So you're guessing. You're like, I'm going to get this thing that might be that, maybe, and you try and it's not. And so you're like, okay, well, maybe this other thing is that, and you try and it's not. Okay, maybe this other thing is it, and you try and it is, and you're like thrilled, and then you sell them and you order them again, and, and now, now they send you something different. So <laughs> it's like, I'll keep trying. scroll in here and the next one I see is night owl aquatics what do you think best way to get rid of I think I already that was the cyanobacteria question Chris is laughing at me Chris what did I do what did I do I know I'm sure it was appropriate at the time survival of the fishiest I have a fricata rainbow who has a stuck open mouth who's still going strong oh good 1.5 years later I make sure he can swim through food so he gets enough to eat. So he gets to eat. Must be a pseudomugil thing. Yeah, the, the rainbow fish that happened to me with the, the jaw stuck open, I believe was a Melanotania species. But that's good to hear. So it sounds like you found a way to keep him going. Awesome. So there's some hope for the uh, person that chimed in earlier in the stream asking about that. That's good to know. Thanks for sharing that. Hey, Big Steen. Good to see you, my friend. Hope you're doing well. Well, <laughs> hope your leg's healing up, man. <laughs> Don't do construction projects with Steenfot. <laughs> Sounds dangerous. <laughs> I hope you're doing well and healing up. When will you get the gold roseline sharks in again? Do we not have them available? Let's see. Roseline. Yeah, we've, they're right here, man. There you go. I'll link them for you. We've got a good group right now. And it's a great batch. They're doing fine. So I think they'll do well for you. Hey there. Oh, that's someone talking to someone else. DJ Sus. So sus. Oh, I should... Uh, there we go. DJ Sus says, I would love to give some Gimpy Fish a home. That would be a fun mystery box. Yeah, every now and then we we have collected enough. Like, we, when we get Gimpy Fish in, we just kind of collect them. Sometimes we feed them to, uh, to Mouth, our Dragon Puffer, because Mouth needs to eat, and that's the circle of life. But there's some that we keep and hold on to and eventually get enough to do a, a giveaway. But... It's, it's very clear in the giveaway that that's, that that's what it is. So it's not for everybody. So we might eventually... I don't know if we have enough right now. I, I'm going to have to look at it. But we do that on occasion just to find homes for fish that need homes, but we can't sell. Tracy S. Thanks for that. Oh, thanks. That is my thought also. Just wanted to make sure I made the right choice. Yeah. Yeah, it's never fun when you have to 
when you're in those situations and you're the responsible owner, right? I mean, sometimes you have to make tough choices. I get that. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper. Not as of yet. Oh, he's talking to Johnny. Well, what's the question? Because it's probably about the puffer spawning, which I want to know about too. Is that what it was? Hang on. Any luck with the Congo's puffers? We have a plump female that has been hanging out by herself the past few days, thinking she might spawn soon. And Mountaintop says, not as of yet. So they haven't spawned as, as of yet, but they have a four... They have four fine sponge cube filters, one per corner to collect any eggs if they happen, and are on the 4K puffer cam for daily review. All right, awesome. Yeah. It's going to happen. Mikey M, perhaps we can send some Ash Springs these back to you if needed. I know there are some U.S. species getting bred here in Europe. Some are easy to breed but banned to catch for you. Yeah, that's one of those. So... Yeah, I think that's one that people would really like, but I, I'd i have to check the legality. I think that they're, at this point, probably highly illegal to catch. But I could, I mean, I'm, I know my fish and game folks. Um, I could check into that. Now, I think there's still an Ash Springs. Um, there's been a lot of conservation efforts, and I think that that fish probably is still in Ash Springs, but it's been on the brink a few times. That habitat's been on the brink a few times. There's been, like, bass and other stuff introduced, which is a problem, as we know from my story before. And uh, so it's a habitat on the edge constantly, so I'm, I'm glad you have them. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper. Oh, that's to Johnny. I'm going to move on then. Daniel McName, why can I not say that the first time? Daniel McNamara, um, try tagging DanceFish with your question to Gordon Gal. Yeah, that's how I'll get it, Gordon Gal. Let's see here, but I'll scroll up and look for it here. I have a pair of Rhodesia Altapina. Do you know anything about those? There's not much online. Okay, let's take a quick field trip and show everybody what we're talking about. And the answer is no, I, I don't know this fish. Ooh, look at that guy. It's not one I've ever kept, so I'm sorry I, I don't have any information for you. Neat fish, though. Neat looking fish. Oh, Steenfot got the CW62s. Awesome. I think you're going to love them. So, Sniffin, um, I've decided I can no longer say your username because I did Urban Dictionary you uh, <laughs> after last live stream because I was like, I bet that's something on the edge. And uh, I don't know where you're from. And if that means the same thing where you're from as it means where I'm at. But, yeah, I, I can't. We're a family-friendly channel. Sorry. All right. So... This channel, what I would like, what, here's the reason I do that. When I was a kid, I would have given anything to have a community like this where I could go to my computer and get information and talk to fish nerds and find fish I wanted. Like, I was all in as a kid. I loved this. But 
I grew up in the era before the internet was a real thing that people had, and so you had to mail stuff. You had to like, it, it took forever. So I can just imagine me now at that age, how cool this would have been for me. So I want anyone, even if they're a kid, to be able to come to this channel and uh, learn and have access to, to the resource without their parents being concerned that they're doing that, right? I, I would hate for someone who was, I don't know, a 13-year-old like me when I first started um, to be denied the opportunity because, because of content. So it's just important to me that everyone can participate. Wild Beta Plus. Could you do a Wild Beta giveaway again? They are kind of my obsession in the aquarium hobby. We will eventually, yes. I'm not sure when. We don't have a lot of Wild Bettas right now, but yes, that, that will happen at some point. <laughs> Kids, Aquatics, and Reptiles. Wow, it pays to be PG, apparently. Oh, look, and I'm, I'm sharing the wrong screen. I'm so bad at my job. Look at this. You guys have been... Oh, no, that's the right screen. I'm doubly bad at my job. I'm doing the right thing and I think I'm doing it wrong. That's how bad I am. <laughs> anyway, apparently it pays to be PG. Look at that super chat. Thank you, Kayla's Aquatics and Reptiles. I appreciate that. Man, Bob, just thanks for all the support over the years. You're, you're a gem and a mensch, and I appreciate you. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper. Oh, that's back to Johnny. <laughs> we got to make it, Johnny, so your name has something besides that dance fish in it. Because every time someone puts a comment to you, it highlights for me. I'm too tired to filter it out. Carla M., do you have any Rummy Nose Rasbora for sale? Yeah, we should. All right. So, everyone, if you want to know if we have a fish for sale, just check out dancefish.com. Rummy. There they are. We have 18 left. And uh, they look fantastic. These pictures do not do them justice. I've been trying to get a good picture of these guys, but I've failed miserably. So I'm sorry, that's the only picture I have. But yeah, we've got 18 left and they are stunning. They, they look amazing. Derek W, do all Ancestors Plecos breed similarly? I have a group of L183 Starlight Bushinos wondering if they need special conditions to breed. So I'm not an expert on, an, on Ancestress, but I have some Starlights myself. And um, as far as I know, they're going to breed the same. They need caves, and they need to be able to trap the female and, and all that. Now, they don't always have to. Standard bushy nose will kind of breed anywhere. But uh, yeah, I would just give them a cave just like you would any other Pleco. They're probably going to be a little more demanding than your standard aquarium strain bushy nose, though. So... I would set them up more like, like you would a hypensistress, let's say, as far as the cave type. But again, not an expert on ancestress myself. And there are some people in the stream that in the chat that are much more expert and could probably help you out. Okay, scrolling, scrolling. Ira Nelson, I traded some shrimp I bred for a batch of red root floaters, which are hard to get in my area. Yeah, good trade then. Was the first time I traded livestock that I bred instead of fish I traded for or bought. Yeah, it's fun. I, it's fun to horse trade, right? Absolutely. It's a neat dimension of the hobby. You know, someone's got something, you've got something. Hey, we can work out a deal, you know? 
Dragon Lair, since you love loaches, watch Oliver Lucanus's latest below-water video on the mountain streams in Japan. Yeah, Rock and Fish sent me a link to that, because uh, there's gobies and stuff in there, so I will be doing that. And Man, isn't Oliver Lucanus, like, just a gem for us, showing us all these natural habitats? I, I love that he's doing that. Kinger 5150 Is the L471 the smallest? So the L471, the L174, and the... Oh, there's one other one. Is it... It's not the 280, is it? I think so. And the L280 are all kind of tied for smallest. From what I understand. Is it the L280? Let's take a look. L280... Pleco, I believe I have that right. Oops. Can't go to my site. Got to go somewhere that actually knows about the fish. Yeah, 1.7 inches for these guys. So that's pretty small. And if you look at the uh, L174, and we have all these, by the way. Well, that says 3.5 inches. Really? The Oslik is 3.5? I'm surprised. I would have thought it was smaller than that. An L471. I'm not sure I believe that, to tell you the truth. 2.4, yeah. 2.4 inches for the 471. Okay, we got to do something real quick. We got to fact check Planet Catfish. L174. Let go. Let's go to lauracaraday.info. See what they have to say about it. These are, we have a nice group of these. These are awesome. I really love the ocelots. Max size, three inches. That gets bigger than I thought, if these sources are correct. I thought that that was tied with the mini snowball at around two and a half inches or so. Does anyone here know? Am I, am I totally off base? But yeah, the 280, really small. The 471, really small. And I thought the 174 was really small as well. I mean, three inches isn't big, but I thought it was smaller than that. Let's see here. It's probably time. No, we'll, we'll, we'll do the giveaway. And, yeah, we'll do the giveaway. Let's, let's do that. So this is for a pretty cool giveaway. It's for a group of uh, Congo Tetras, none of which are very common. The only one I think that's common is uh, Interruptus. The, am I saying that right? The standard common, uh, common Congo Tetra that's been in the hobby forever. But there's lots of neat Congo Tetras out there. So the winner of some contaminant mystery Congo Tetras from the Congo of some sort of fish <laughs> mystery box is Mark Sloan. Mark Sloan, you have won. You have two minutes, Mark, to chime in and let us know you're here. You just do that by leaving a comment saying, wow, or yay, or I'm here, or what? I entered? You know, whatever. Just something so we know you're here, so you can claim your winnings. And while we're waiting for you, Mark, we're going to get to another question or comment. Toothpick fish coming back soon, ask SPNKR. Yeah, I hope so. I have some on order. We'll see if they arrive, and we'll see if they arrive in good shape, but... You know, those are surprisingly hardy fish. You think of the toothpick fish and you think of pipe fish, right? Which have a reputation for being a little delicate. And then you see these little toothpick fish that are that big and skinny like a toothpick, oddly enough. It's like, yeah, that's going to be hard. No, they're, they're a pretty hardy little fish. So 
Um, I do have some on order. We'll see if they arrive. Carla is asking, at Dance Fish, are they sexually dimorphic? Uh, Carla M., what are we asking about? I'm not sure which, which fish we're, we're asking about sexing there. All right, it looks like, yep, Mark Sloan is here. Awesome. So, Mark, please send your first name and last name and your mailing address to us via email, hello at dancefish.com. That's H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com. First name, last name, and your mailing address, and we'll get a shipping date set up with you to send you those Tetras. Um, and we ask that you do that within 24 hours. The official rules, if you ever read them under the video, are that you have uh, 24 hours to do that. So just want to remind folks to not dilly-dally. Every now and then uh, someone takes a while, and I remember I should probably bring that up. So congratulations. Thanks for being here. Thanks for participating. Appreciate it. We've got time for... Uh, we can do let's see here winner email okay there's got to be some from above that no I think we pretty much caught up Rosie I have to ask how are the clown killifish we have a few that are actually doing okay so we might be able to send some oh Carla M asking about the Sabora resplendence yeah that's the rummy nose rasbor it's highly sexually dimorphic yeah, once they're mature, it's very easy to tell males and females. Is Brenda going to sing tonight? Why, yes! Brenda's going to be singing Memory from the musical Cats. A classic, and she does it so well. I like that song. I love, I love it when she sings that song. It's uh, soothing yet melancholy at the same time. So there's a link um, to this. My wife will be singing at 8.30, so in four minutes... She'll be singing, and we can all go there and hear that. Uh, it's only a few minutes long, so if you like musicals or music or singing or cats, <laughs> then we'll see you there. Um, Matt M., looking forward to getting the Pseudomugil Luminatus and Signifer from you tomorrow. All right, yeah, the, the Luminatus look great. I think you're going to like them. And I hope that everyone arrives in good shape, for sure. Let us know. My coworker says Gina's Reef is looking for American flagfish. Is that a fish that you guys would carry? Sometimes we carry that fish. I haven't had them for a little while, but that is a fish I, I would get again. It's I like it. Like personally, it's one of my favorites. It's a killifish, first of all. It's a pupfish, second of all. Two good things in my opinion. They're beautiful. They're a good algae eater. But they are a little pugnacious, so they'll, they'll nip at fins and things like that. So it's not one that we keep all the time. And you can find them at most pet stores. So will I bring them in again? Yes. Is it something that I try to keep in stock all the time? No. All right. I think with that, we're going to sign off. Uh, again, I'm going to head over, listen to Brenda sing, and hope you join us. Okay, let's sign off here. I want to start by thanking my moderators for doing what they do every week. Thanks for doing that. I just think it's amazing that you show up every week to volunteer your time. I want to thank the members of the channel, the Fishmonger crew. Thanks for joining up. I know it's just a little bit every month, but in aggregate, it really helps us. It helps us as a business get going, get established. And uh, at this stage of our business, 
cash is, uh, how do you say this? Every bit of cash helps. We're in growth mode. We are still getting that tipping point of profitability and we're well on our way, but free cash is just so helpful when you're in that situation. So thank you. Everyone that had a question or comment, thanks for participating. If you threw money at us, I see Killers Aquatics and Reptiles is, is throwing another super chat at us and it's Pippi. Thanks, Bob. I really appreciate it. Um, as you know, Always appreciated, never required, but Brenda does love it when money falls out of the computer screen. So thank you, Bob. Anyway, thanks to Bob and everyone else that threw money at us. Um, thanks to everyone who's listening while they lurk. Hail the Lurker Nation. And uh, if you're watching on the replay, hello from the past. Oh, I'm so tired. What's the last one? The podcast. If you're listening to the podcast, thanks for listening. I got to go to bed. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. We've got one minute to get over there to listen to Brenda. I will link that just one more time here so it's in front of everybody. There it is. And uh, good night. See you next week. Bye-bye.